Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on 9 to Noon to help you navigate family life. Well, now, why focusing on your child's strengths rather than trying to fix their weak weaknesses is the best way to help them reach their full potential? Our guest is the Australian psychologist, Professor Lee Waters from the University of Melbourne. Her approach starts with the child, identifying the strengths they are born with and amplifying them. Professor Waters says the pitfall that many parents fall into is that we humans have a natural bias towards spotting the negative things in our environment, always trying to guard against what can go wrong, which keeps us out of harm's way but can be demoralising for children. She says the parent's job is to be present rather than correcting behaviour, looking for what they're doing right. Lee Waters details her approach in the book The Strength Switch. She is with us from Melbourne. Lovely to talk. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here. Uh, you can see several reasons for the, the, the negative bias. As you say, we're, we're, mm. we're innately wired to be uh, surrounding or, or, or looking our surrounding environment, looking for trouble. But also we're just inclined, aren't we, when a problem solved to bank it and to go looking for the next problem to solve. And is that a habit you can fall into with kids? It's absolutely a habit you can fall into. And it, it, it's not just a habit. It's It's the way that our brains are wired from an evolutionary perspective our brains were wired to notice the negative things in our environment the problems in our environment the risks the threats in in our environment way more quickly than noticing the things that are going well and the reason for that of course is it gave us a survival advantage if we had um, our ancestors out on the savannah sort of subconsciously and we still do this um, from an evolutionary perspective just subconsciously scanning the environment, where's the threat, what can go wrong, where's the problem, what do I need to fix, what's the error, because that ensured that we could survive. You imagine our ancestors who didn't have that inbuilt negativity bias probably didn't survive. They weren't the ones who had the early detection of the big beast about to jump on them or the early detection of that little smell of the berry that it it doesn't quite smell right. So the negativity bias is built into all of us. It's very helpful for problem solving. It's, it helped our species to survive. It's not the most helpful function in our brain when it comes to us having a positive relationship with our children. You still need it, but I think what you're saying is the the, the need is to emphasise the positive. I mean, there's still the case yeah. of a kid who's about to run out on the road. There's still, there's still natural correction that needs to happen. The problem is when, mm-hmm. when that's almost all of your feedback or a lot of your feedback. That's exactly right. And that's why I called the book The Strength Switch, because it's not about avoiding problem behaviour in your children. It's not about denying weaknesses or areas that they need to fix. But it's about being how mi- mindful of how much of your time and attention goes towards the negative and switching your focus. And that has to be intentional because we are working against the brain's evolution. But it's just a pattern. It's just a habit that you get into where you look, you know, you go to correct something and then just ask yourself as a parent, okay, what's going well in this situation? I'll focus on that first and then we'll get into correction mode. And and also just waiting to see if the correction is needed rather than it being the first impulse, just waiting and observing and, and oh, holding yes. holding back to see yeah. if someone or, or, or someone's, as yes. a, you know, a, a group of kids can sort it out. Let, let's get, I love it. I yeah. love it that you said that because we do have 
give give kids a chance. You know, they will naturally self-correct in most instances. And and even if they don't, you know, there are some weaknesses and so-called problem behavior in our kids that we don't have to fix because they're not and they're not going to end up limiting that child's happiness or success in the future. But we get caught into kind of correction mode as parents and think we need to fix everything so that these kids are like kind of perfect by the time we launch them into adulthood. Let's give us um, give give us some sort of age indicators of the way this behaviour can play that play out. Perhaps start with the um, with the younger kids, and then we might move might move through strategies we can use in different situations. But what's an example you would you would give where, out of the best of intentions and perhaps without realising it, there's been a pattern mm. of correct, correct, correct. Yeah. Well, I think I mean just to step back from the age thing, it, the the underlying approach with the strengths, which no matter what age, even as an adult, for yourself, for your partner, for the people that you work and people who are in your life, is to intentionally look for what's going well first and look for their strengths. Everyone has unique strengths. So some people will be humour, some people will be kind of they've got that great ability to step back and see the big picture. Other people, you know, it'll be they're naturally athletic, they're they're creative, they're good at art. So that is universal. It doesn't matter at the age, but um, getting specifically to your question, you know, for example, if you've got younger kids and you've got two kid, your two kids who are fighting, our natural temptation is like, stop fighting, stop doing that. And from a strength-based approach, what you would do is just take that little bit of pause and say, okay, I can see what I don't want. I don't want the fighting, but what's the positive opposite of that? What do I want instead? So instead of saying, stop fighting, say, Hey kids, you know, how about cooperating? Like, where's the fairness here? Or grabbing, you know, grabbing one and sort of kind of saying, you know, I don't, we need a little bit more kindness from you right now. So it's just, it's still addressing the behaviour, but it's redirecting it towards a strength rather than trying to correct a weakness. This is interesting because that's actually reframing the correction. But yes. the other matter is positively reinforcing good behaviour. I love the way you've got this phrase, strength blindness, um, yeah. that it, we actually sometimes don't see it again because we've banked it. We we bank yeah. the things that kids are doing well or the things we that are good about granted. them. So yeah. then it's a question of, and, and I'm interested in, in how you should think about this without it interrupting something that's mm-hmm. going well. Sometimes silence and nothing and just yeah. letting people be independent is the best thing. But are you also yeah. looking for opportunities to reinforce good behaviours, just slip it in every now and then and, and and is that something else that you want to build into your skill set? Yeah, look, these are really great questions and you're right. So so what you want to do is in bad behaviour, that's when you use strengths to call forward the good behaviour. But when things are going well, it's just a blend. You know, it's a blend of the moments where you want to acknowledge and praise and kind of call out. You know, I love the I love the concentration you're using right now or I really saw, you know, how kind you were towards your friend or the diligence you put into your homework. So you're you're actively intentionally naming it and acknowledging it but other times it doesn't have to be that it, it you can overpraise a kid and it backfires it's just it's just supporting them in doing that they'll feel good about doing themselves anyway so they're going to get that internal feedback and it doesn't always have to be verbal it can just be a little pat on the shoulder or, or a smile just a like a, a body language acknowledgement of you doing good right now I'm happy for you and then when there is a point of correction, as you were start, as you were telling us earlier, you can reframe the correction mm-hmm. to look for yeah. the positive. Call out the positive. And, and sometimes, uh, and I've, I've got a whole chapter on this on the book on strength-based discipline, sometimes it's it's a matter of the fact of teaching them how to use their strengths wisely. So my son, for example, who's 15, is very funny and it's absolutely one of his strengths, but he gets into trouble at school because he overplays his humour. Now, there's certain teachers who love it, 
and and they understand. And there are other teachers who don't appreciate his humor in class. So in those kinds of conversations with my son, it's it's not so much about you doing the wrong thing. It's about, okay, you've got this great quality, but you need to learn when to dial it up and when to dial it back. And so that's a very different flavor of conversation, correctional conversation that you're having with your kid um, because you're saying this is a strength. You just need to, need to learn how to use it rather than there's something wrong and broken in you and you're doing the wrong thing. That is a really um, important situation, isn't it? And, and it's more mm. nuanced than this is good and this is bad. This is about Absolutely. the sophistication of being able to read what's happening in a group or happening with another person and yeah. modify um, yes. to take that into account. Yes, spot on. Yeah. What of the... Um, what of the downsides if we are in this pattern of behaviour? Obviously, we are, we are looking to, to get the best and to, and to help our kids to learn to get the best out of themselves. But what's some of the, the negatives? I hate to go there. If mm-hmm. you are trapped in this, what are some of the results if you are trapped in just always going from one correction to the next to the next? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a pattern and it spirals. And what it does is it, it just heightens the tension between a parent and a child which then prevents you from having those genuine conversations that you need to have about problem areas and areas for improvement or weaknesses because the kid feels like you're always correcting them. So they're naturally defensive and they're naturally tense, so you can't have those genuine conversations. creates you know hostility. It creates um, lack of trust between a parent and a child. creates frustration from a parent's perspective and this is one of the things when you when you flip it and the, and the work I do with parents and getting them to start to step back and see the good qualities in their children and the strengths in their children is actually they start to see their children more holistically and and they they have less anxiety themselves because when you're always in correction mode as a parent it's pretty deflating i mean you're always seeing the things that as a parent are not improving and so it comes back to this question of like well I'm not parenting very well I'm not I'm clearly not a very good parent because I can't get my child to like put his bike away even though I've asked him a hundred times but we haven't noticed that you know the child is putting the lunchbox away or getting their homework done so it it actually relieves the parent it, it creates less anxiety in the parent because they're seeing the good things in the areas that are improving and it certainly dramatically improves the relationship between the child and the parent and as you can imagine the bottom line which is what we want which is you said before is that we you know our kids grow up with a sense of inner strength a sense of confidence it's not arrogance they don't grow up thinking i'm strong i'm better than everyone else it's just a it's just a quiet sense of confidence does it also create quite a negative vibe it's not just the verbal but like mm. the environment can be tense or, or can be negative without anything being said sometimes yeah. Um, I am interested when you're working with people about their own psychology and sometimes mm-hmm. is this a classic case of the, you know, the, the first challenge of parenting which is that you, you, your inclination to fall back on, on your own experiences yeah. um, and do people have to reset their own way of viewing the world sometimes? Yeah. How, how do you take someone who is, is it's not a simple thing to just say, oh, okay, this is a good strategy. I'll just apply this. It's a little <laughs> bit deeper with them. How do you work with that? It is deeper and, and it's really insightful for you to say that. I think, you know, we do fall back on our old patterns um, and it, it's, it's just like anything. Honestly, it's like tying your shoes. It's like any form of um, 
behavioral or psychological change you want to make. You decide that you want to change what you're eating. You want to eat more healthily. You decide you want to go to the gym. It's the same process. It's making a decision. And then what I um, encourage parents to do and kind of map out in the book is don't expect to be able to do this 100% of the time and don't expect that it's going to be that you're going to wake up tomorrow and be a strength-based parent. So I kind of map out a, a little change process and say, all right, do it do it a couple of times a week and do it in times where you know they're not tense times. Like in my household, I would never try and learn this technique when in the mornings because I'm madly getting my son and my daughter to school, myself to work. It's not a, it's, it's a tense time. So it would be unreasonable for me to expect to learn that skill. But I try and do it on the weekends because things are less tense. So block out some times during the week, identify a particular strength that you already know is in your child and focus on that. So set yourself up for little moments of success. And that's how we learn. That's how brains repattern. You just create situations where you are going to have those little moments of success. You learn it, you get into the groove. And then over time, those behaviors become more automatic and then they extend. So then you can come back and use it in those tense times, like getting your kids ready for school in the morning. It might not feel natural at the start. So, you know, persist, I guess. Yeah. Um, the other thing to do, and particularly in tense moments where it has spiralled into negative comment, negative comment, negative comment, what's the best thing you can do? Just just stop yourself. Just stop talking yeah. even. Just just, just everyone, <laughs> everyone have a breather here. Yeah, Absolutely. Just reset. And um, again, in the book, I've got a whole chapter on mindfulness and that learning that skill of just recognising, okay, this is spiralling. Like this is just a really harmful or unhelpful conversation we're having right now. And just to be able to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go and get myself a cup of tea. I'm going to walk around the block. Can we talk about this later? Or vice versa, suggest to your um, son or your daughter, if, if they're the ones who are kind of spiraling, to say, you know what, it's we're not going to get anywhere with this conversation right now. Like, how about you just go off and listen to some music, get yourself a snack, go get onto the PS4, whatever it happens to be. But let's just put a pin in it and we can come back when the emotions are less heightened. Is there a time to just sit down and think, actually, especially if you're starting on something or you're really consciously wanting to do this, just to sit and almost make yourself a mental list yeah. of of the, of the responses that will achieve or the comments that might achieve what you're trying to achieve? In other words, thinking, mm. how can I reframe our communication about this, as you say, ever-persistent problem of the mm. clothes being dropped on the floor <laughs> or the bike not being put away? Like, yeah. you can actually just sit down with a clear head and, and, and do a bit of thinking about what can I say to try and get closer to this goal? Yeah, absolutely. I, I reckon that's a great idea. And I would really encourage people to say, I mean, we all know, we all know what the hot points are in our own families is to, is to take yourself off, get yourself out to a cafe, have a little coffee, sit down and go and just map. Like these are my three hot points with my child at the moment. And here's just a one or two sentences that I can say that just reframe it differently, which because when you start the conversation differently, it ends differently. What are the um, what what are that particularly challenging time around adolescence where, um, okay, younger children are often looking for that and and can be quite obvious in receiving approval. Yeah. You get a different dynamic around adolescence where there's the pushback coming. And how yeah. do you have to sometimes modify what's happening at that point? Or do you just need to interpret differently what the response is is meaning? Do you know what I mean? Like what are some of the subtleties yeah. around that time? Mm, again, that's an, another really good question. So um, in the book I talk about those the early years, you can be the strength detective. Like you can you can call it out, you can see it, you can articulate it. 
when you get into the teenage years, they don't they don't want that. Um, so rather than being a strength detective, it's more like just having your strength antenna out. So it, it is a more subtle process. Um, and it's knowing your child and, and when it is. It's not that teens don't want it because they, they still do, actually. It's not going to tell um, you that. <laughs> they're not going to tell you, yeah. exactly. And you just have to be uh, more tuned into the ways that you can do it. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about being a strength-based parent through communicating um, and through verbal. But there are other ways to be strength-based parents. And sometimes it's not about uh, the words you use, but it's about the actions that you do. You know, And it could be just getting your... Uh, getting onto the PS4 and playing a game with your son or your daughter or getting them out to shoot baskets or taking them to a concert that you know they like. So what you're actually doing in that situation is you're not actually kind of articulating and being the strength detective, but you're being there with them, you're fostering an interest, and then it becomes more natural. You can be on the, you can be playing a, a um, video game and just in the middle of that, you know, just really authentically go, oh, my God, great teamwork. That was a great decision. You use great leadership. And it's just in the flow, so it's not as obvious to the teenager. It's probably a good idea to have tried to have done some of this work before the teens as well, right, to sort of mm. have, to oh, have yeah. a pattern going. And that brings me to another point, which is parents and caregivers agreeing on a parenting style because I imagine consistency is pretty useful here when it comes to the key people in uh, in someone's life um, getting a really different set of behaviours from one parent versus the other or, or a caregiver yeah. versus the other it's I mean obviously that's the ideal if you if you're co-parenting or if you've got a caregiver you know if there's a if there's a team of people around that young person who are consistent but um I mean, in many cases, that's not realistic and it's not achievable. And I get that question a lot in the in the parenting workshops that I run where one parent will come up and say, I really want to do this, but I, I'm not sure I'm going to get the same level of support. Or in some cases, you know, my partner does the opposite. What do I do here? And uh, And my answer is just, you know, practical wisdom. Like, yes, it's better if you're all on the same page. But um, even if they've got one person in their life connecting them with their strengths, reframing their problem behavior, showing them in their times of challenge what strengths they've got to use, that's still helpful. That's still going to help build confidence and identity in this young person. Thanks, Lee, very much. Lee Waters and the book is The Strength Switch. She is an Australian psychologist based at the University of Melbourne. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 